Hi, Hannah. Hey, Anna. Hey, so we've been talking about our identities as writers for a while now. I think it's time to do our podcast. That's a great idea, but what should we call it? Hmm. How about how about a play on the pen is mightier than the sword? Like the pen is that, that's it. The pen is. The pen is so many things. It's scary, it's honest, it's funny, and the pen lets us explore what it means to be a work in progress. <laughs> and hey, Hana, we are a work in progress. You said it. Let's get started. Okay. Then should I read my, my piece? Yeah. Do you want to read your prompt first? Yes. So, and sorry, mine might be a little bit long, so I will try not to take up too much time. But so my prompt was to write a fiction piece, which is the first time since we've started this that I'm writing fiction, on an older person living out the end of their life and how they're addressing trauma they experienced earlier in life. Alva sits at the window and watches the clouds moving across the sky. Quietly humming to herself, she tracks the movements of sunlight and shadow on the ground and trees with her, with her eyes, and sometimes a half-raised finger pointing at a particularly bright or dark spot. Most days, she doesn't want to wear her glasses because the nose pieces bite into the delicate skin on her nose, so most of the patterns outside are blurred. It was worse when they lived in the house near the airport, the sound of planes taking off and landing, always throwing her back into days when loud noises meant fear and possible death. But the tasteful and deliberately calming environment of the retirement community doesn't allow for such disruptions so she can watch the clouds at her leisure. Once upon a time, just sitting at the window would have been a rare luxury, time spent alone with nothing else to do, no existential worries wearing on her mind if she tried to relax. The days of children asking her unending questions and ever-present piles of laundry and dishes waiting to be cleaned are long past, with those children tending to their own family's needs. But lately, she's been thinking more often back to the days before she was a housewife with a comfortable middle-class life, when the stresses of daily living were a threat to her survival. Honey, can I get you anything? The soft voice of the nursing assistant floats into the room, disturbing her reverie. She likes the earnest young woman who is so eager to please and will talk about her dreams of becoming a nurse one day, but the slight condescension of a woman calling her sweetie, dear, and honey when she's never known true hardship is grating at times. She feels more kinship with the nurses, CNAs, and therapy assistants who have come to the U.S. fleeing political upheaval in their own countries. Thank you, Heather, but I'm fine. Alva turns back to the window and resumes her train of thought. She finds conversations with others tiring these days. She'd rather continue the discussions in her head with people long gone. Full of excruciating memories and deep loss, these conversations feel like home to her in a way that inane small talk with chipper young people never will. A therapist she saw many years ago once said, Processing your past experiences will help you put their traumatic effects to bed. For someone supposedly so aware of the human condition, Dr. Feelgood, she doesn't remember his actual name, was supremely unaware of the comfort of anguish. It may not feel pleasant reliving these memories over and over, 
but it feels familiar. Why would she want to say goodbye to dear faces that are long gone, even with the sharp pain she feels at the sight of them in her mind's eye? Alva realizes that the nursing assistant is still waiting expectantly in her doorway. She stops mid-thought and looks questioning at, questioningly at her. Mrs. Thompson, she hesitates, reluctant to bring up something upsetting, but Ava is braced for the inevitable question. It comes out in a rush. She wants to get on with the rest of her day. I didn't see your name on the list for this week's shuttle, which stops by the cemetery. Should I add you to the group? Alva lets out a breath she didn't realize she was holding as she thinks of a response. It's no use telling this optimistic, naive girl that the bodies buried there are not the ones that make her cry out in the night or occasionally weep silent tears. Yes, it's almost the anniversary of her husband's death, but their relationship was a long, mostly happy one. She feels gratitude and closure when she thinks of him. She'll go to visit him and tell him she misses him while she lays a bunch of sunflowers on his grave, but he is not one of the ghosts who haunts her. Yes, Hazel, thank you for reminding me. You're such a good girl to ask, she says, again turning her head back to the window. As she hears the girl's footsteps fade away down the hall, she starts to hum a tune that reminds her that everything she experienced so many years ago wasn't simply a nightmare, that she is still the broken survivor who built a family and a life from the ashes. A tear slides down her cheek and she smiles wryly at home with her pain. I felt that. <laughs> um, that was really beautifully done and wonderfully like, I don't know, it was just, the length of it was perfect. Um, and I, I do want to say that like when he first started reading, I, I felt like all of a sudden I was, you know, somebody on NPR interviewing a well-known author who's about to write, you know, read their piece for them. And like, I like could hear <laughs> like you sound like, um, I don't know, you just, you read it really well and really professionally. And it's, you know, it sounded like I was listening to an audiobook all of a sudden, like, <laughs> Thank you. Perhaps a career I should explore. <laughs> um, so this was the first time I heard it or read it or mm -hmm. all the above. And um, I'm really, I was really impressed. I don't know if I've much heard you write fiction or read fiction. Um, and you have a very very clear voice and incredibly descriptive. Um, I think you really captured this, this character, even just, you know, I guess this piece was probably maybe a page uh, long. And within that time, like in that span, I already have this like compassion towards this woman who is, um, working through and dealing with, you know, the end of her life and where, where her life stands right now with the ghosts from the past. And so like, even within those, those, that short of a story, I was already compelled to root for this character and feel true emotion for her struggle and her pain and her place in life. Um, so I feel like that shows a lot with, with your writing and, um, your detail and your ability to seemingly to pull upon, I don't know, I'm going to ask you this, but 
it seems like you've had enough experiences with people that you could pull this out in such a, a real and genuine way. Um, so I'm going to just start with our, our, you know, our first questions here. What, what was the writing process like for you? Um, so as our potential eventual future listeners may not know, <laughs> um, I did not write this in time for our initial deadline. Um, so thank you for your patience. It was a little difficult. Like I, I sat down and I think I wrote the first, Oh, let's see, four paragraphs um, within the first week, like probably with over a day or two. And then I just like couldn't come back and finish it um, until I like forced myself last night to sit down and finish it. And, um, you know, I think some of it comes from like, um, when I know that I have, that I want to write back to a friend who is dealing with, you know, a really emotional or difficult situation and I'm, you know, responding to their most recent email, it always takes me a little bit longer to respond to them because I don't want to just write some surface level thing you know, some superficial thing. Oh, sorry to hear that. I hope everything else is well, blah, 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 bye. And so, you know, it takes not only actual time, but also I have to like gather my mental resources to sit down and really write an email response worthy of what they're going through and bringing that support to them. And it was kind of similar with this. I didn't want to just you know, kind of give it a slapdash effort. You had asked me, you know, we've talked about um, my kind of intellectualizing and I've really appreciated your your feedback and also your ability in your writing to be vulnerable and include emotion and really personal connection. And it, but it took me a while to, um, and also like my procrastinating nature, it took a deadline for me to finally be able to sit down and do it justice. Does that make sense? Oh. No, I, yes. I, I really appreciate how uh, motivated you are and were to, to do this piece justice for not only, you know, the project that we're doing together, but also for yourself of, it, it shows that you have passion around this and that you pushed yourself. Um, as we both know, we, <laughs> We both experience issues with procrastination and at least for my part, my procrastination often has to do either with my, you know, issues around ADHD, but also if I feel pressured or feel uncomfortable or feel like I'm stuck on something, um, I will just put it, you know, on the back burner, put it on the back burner because I don't want to face it. Um, and so, you know, stepping out of that and, and knowing that this has meaning and value shows um no it shows commitment and it it's heartwarming to me that that you are committed to this not only for like the project that we're doing together but more for you and, and pushing yourself pushing your edges um to write something like this mm -hmm. was that does that response sound on point yeah <laughs> no definitely definitely thank you it's uh it's very validating uh, okay yeah and uh, so then just kind of uh because you i think there was sort of a uh somewhat formulated question, you know, you, you had about, uh, about the character and 
I will say yes, like this person is sort of a composite of my of personal experiences with, you know, my grandparents who I worked very closely with as they aged toward the end of their life and who had dealt with trauma uh, related to the World War II and the Holocaust earlier in their lives. Um, and then also various patients and clients I have worked with as a geriatric social worker. Um, so, you know, I, it's funny. I, so I was out at brunch with some friends earlier today and I mentioned our project. Um, and I said, you know, to be totally honest with this, I think I took a little bit of a less vulnerable route in making it more general. Like I don't ever go into the specifics of what the trauma is, you know, or really uh, deep, more deeply into the particulars of this woman's identity. Um, and I don't make her actually process the trauma. It's really more a process of like radical acceptance that having trauma and trauma responses as part of your yourself and your identity is not necessarily always a completely bad thing. Um, but that allowed me to, you know, kind of create the feel that I that I remember from bearing witness to a lot of these of these folks, um, without having to you know again go into the particulars. So I really hoped, and it sounds like um, it kind of brought up the emotional response for you as a reader that I felt in a lot of these situations, even without some of those more um, specific details. No, you absolutely, you, you hit it on the head um, with with that emotional response, just because it, it felt so genuine and real, because I could tell that this was based on certain real experiences that you have had. Um, I mean, I suppose you could make it up. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously the story is, you know, fictional. However, once again, we usually write what we know. And... Um, I, I really like the part where you had her talk about like in, in her inner dialogue about um, I'm looking at for here. Uh, it may not feel pleasant reliving these memories over and over, but it feels familiar. And that really, that really struck me just in terms of my own like ther therapeutic work that I've been doing within myself of, you know, holding on to some of those more painful memories or the, you know, the, going into that cyclical part of the brain where you, you're, you know, you're chewing and you're chewing and you're chewing, you're not letting go because letting go of the familiar is sometimes so much more scarier than um, letting go of the pain. And that really, that really struck me there just in terms of probably, I would assume personal experience within yourself, you know, how would you know to write that in without having some understanding of that, but also having a very empathetic compassionate work with with your clients you know being able to see that in a person and understand why they're stuck in a certain place um, and and how that how that place of being stuck draws out uh, emotion from the characters themselves and from the readers mm -hmm. well and you know it's interesting um so I've been doing a project with my dad to sort of write his memoirs 
over the last few months. Um, and in talking with him and also just living here in Germany, um, you know, I've, we've done a lot of um, discussion and sort of processing of our personal family history. And, you know, so it brought up a lot for me. And I think, you know, that comes through here of um, it's not so it's not always a bad thing to have painful memories. Um, and I think often people can feel that they're doing an injustice to the people that they've lost by processing these memories and and sort of having them then, you know, when you, in a lot of therapies, when you go through um, traumatic memories, the purpose with the therapies is to allow your brain to process them into being regular memories. So they're no longer these memories that bring up a lot of that trauma response, you know, that physical response that we tend to think of with, um, you know, with some symptoms of, of PTSD. And I think sometimes people might think, you know, why would I want to do that? These were horrible, searing experiences. And, you know, why, why should I process them so that I think of them with the same dispassion that I remember, you know, a neighbor's child's birthday party? Like they aren't the same type of memory. Um, so kind of similar to your experience of as you started writing your dialogue, you really kind of felt these characters come alive. I feel like writing this out helped me kind of put into concrete words some of the experiences or thoughts I'd had around witnessing these things in real life, but hadn't hadn't so clearly articulated until writing this piece. I really like that. that um... The idea, well, and how often are we using journaling and writing as as a, as a tool for processing? And how much do you think writing this has helped with that process? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel, you know, and I'm I'm not a very good journal journaler, <laughs> um, so you know, I think it's been helpful having these prompts to kind of force me into writing and give me a structure to do that writing, but I can definitely see the benefits because yeah, I mean, I, I think writing this and having that realization come through the writing um, is definitely really helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I also want to say that while hearing you read your piece, um, you had mentioned that you kept it pur purposefully vague of what her trauma really was and that I really, uh, I really like that choice because it intrigued me enough to be like, do you think this story has more to it? Do you think you could add to it? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think for the moment, I kind of like it as this encapsulation of a moment in time without exploring some of those other things more deeply one of the things I kind of liked about keeping it vague is there, you know, it's sort of Schrodinger's experience, like with, without that detail, there's the possibility of it leading in so many different directions. Um, I, so like, um, my partner and I joke, he always likes to ask me, what's my favorite 
insert something here. What's my favorite mountain we've climbed? What's my favorite uh, trip we've taken? What's my favorite dish to eat? And I hate that because I hate only being able to choose one thing. <laughs> and I love that by keeping it vague here, I didn't have to choose one thing. You know, like there's a little bit of detail, you know, obviously death and existential threat, but it could go in so many different ways. Like, we don't know, was this woman you know, is she like my grandparents and lived through World War II and the Holocaust? Or did she live through the depression and some of the really traumatizing um, and horrible effects of that? Or, you know, was she someone who um, grew up in some of the dictatorships of Southeast Asia? You know, like there there are so many, or, or did she have, you know, some really drastic, you know, in a comfortable, otherwise comfortable childhood, maybe, you know, something really drastic and awful happened to her family that would be totally, you know, unusual in this otherwise ordinary life. Like there are just, there's possibility in there. And I kind of like leaving it like that for now, mm -hmm. but maybe in the future, I can develop it out a little more. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like there were any particular surprises that came up while you wrote this? I mean, I know you kind of touched on a couple things in terms of like the idea of processing some of the stuff that you've had, but were there any other surprises that came up? I think once I sat down to write it, you know, after that kind of initial, you know, not being able to really give, do it justice, once I sat down to write and really finish it out yesterday, um, it was surprising to me how smoothly it did come together like pleasantly surprising so i really yeah it, it, i expected to struggle with it more mm. i forgot to ask you and i don't know if we we touched on this before but how often have you written fictional pieces gosh uh <laughs> like outside of you know um exercises for like high school or college probably never <laughs> yeah, not since I was, you know, in my teens and writing like very angsty poetry as an adolescent. <laughs> Which I would love to see some of those. It sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> did you like it? I did. That okay? That was a surprise too. I really, yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I like that you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> Um, was there anything else you wanted to comment on or talk about with this piece? No, but yeah, it was, and it, okay, one other thing, it was not only enjoyable writing it, but now maybe I'll follow your lead and actually try reading it out loud to myself because I also really enjoyed reading it to you just now. You, I mean, I really enjoyed listening to you read it. It was, you really embodied it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on that note, which is usually an A, um, I would <laughs> love to propose a prompt for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I have it completely well thought out yet, but you did give me an idea. Um, I would like to stick with the fictional theme for you for this next time. Okay. And I want you to write... I would like you to consider writing on the theme of choosing one thing 
that is a fictional story. So like what you mentioned before was that you don't like to <laughs> pinhole <laughs> yourself into uh, saying the one thing that you like. Um, and the fact that you said that you enjoyed it being more vague with this story, I want it to be not vague at all. Uh, <laughs> oh, you little minx. Okay. <laughs> you gave it to me. Um, and at this point, I don't know if I have something in particular in mind. I, maybe that way I can leave it a little bit more vague for you. Unless you feel like you want more direction, I can think on it a little bit harder. Uh, however, the, the overarching idea is that it, it is a fictional piece that is specific. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to write this down. And then for you, so would you like to continue doing something? Because I was thinking, you know, it might be good to kind of marry uh, your, you know, this newfound sort of fluidity with writing dialogue with then that format where it's mixed dialogue yeah. and description. Um, yeah. So you can, and it, it's up to you entirely what the, it can be something totally new or you can take um, you know, something you've already done and, and play with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so to go back to, again, fiction, um, you know, explicit fiction, but, um, a combination of dialogue and, you know, explanation, expository text. Ooh, nice word. Thank you. Yes. I, I like that idea. Okay. Great. Next week. Hannah writes another short fiction work with the goal of developing details and specifics. This podcast has been another episode of The Pen Is, with your hosts Anna Bradley and Hannah Binder, and technical support provided by Julia Einarsson. Thanks, as always, for spending some time with us as we learn about ourselves as writers and humans. You can find new episodes weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We love hearing from others about their own experiences with writing. Please feel free to email us at anahannapodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, keep that pen busy.